Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast, Episode 9. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. And as you can hear from the background here, we are taping this one from Columbus, Ohio, on the eve of the Purdue-Ohio State game uh, to be our first road game in Big Ten play. We are joined as well by a special guest, our equipment manager, Mookie Maves, arguably the most popular guy uh, in the Purdue Travel Party. Anytime the guy that issues the gear uh, is, is with us, uh, he is definitely uh, very popular. And I know I know he's treated probably the best of anybody on the sports staff by our players, although we know their true their true motive. But we'll we'll visit with Mookie here shortly. Uh, first, want to talk about uh, since the last time we taped an episode. Uh, the for opening Big Ten games for the Boilermakers in Mackey Arena, starting with the Iowa Hawkeyes, the last game of the calendar year, 2016. Uh, Purdue comes out with the victory, 89-67. And then opening the 2017 calendar year, Minnesota comes into Mackey and uh, kind of spoils the party, getting the best of the Boilermakers. And Kliz, just quickly uh, about those two games, uh, we looked really good against the Hawkeyes. And then... Uh, I don't necessarily think we looked as bad against Minnesota as much as Minnesota's came in and played a really good ball game. Well, I think we, a lot of times we explain how to win games on the road in this league, and I've often thought, and I talked to Coach Painter about this quite a bit, really, that uh, the way you do that, the best way to do it is you just have to have a special day. I don't care who you are. You have to play well as a team, and everything has got to to hit on all cylinders, and, and Minnesota did that. Now, first off, they came in at 12-2. and two. They did not have a highly ranked schedule, but the good teams that they played, they played the tough games. They have um, some really good talent. I, I was really impressed with their talent. And um, when you hit the first eight shots on the road against a pretty good defensive team, uh, of those eight shots, three of them rolled around and went in. And then uh, lost that lead. Purdue built a seven-point lead uh, midway through the second half. And you would think most of the time after doing that, uh, you just kind of go away. And they would not. In fact, almost every time that we got the crowd really into the game, they would come back with what we call a, a noise settler or something that just takes the crowd right out of it. Right. Usually it was Nate Mason who right. had a brilliant game. Now you have to talk about individuals. Yeah. And he had 31 points, 11 assists, six rebounds, two steals. I mean, that was that was a very special game for him. So you put all those things together, that can happen. Now, Purdue had a chance to win the game in overtime and didn't get the job done. But, uh, boy, you have to put that into the background real quickly. It's a tough loss at home. You don't want to lose Big Ten games at home. But it was ironic that just a year ago uh, we did the exact same thing, losing to Iowa in the second Big Ten game of the year at home, and it was the only Big Ten game we lost at home. Yeah, only game uh, that we dropped that conference slate. I remember watching the Minnesota-Michigan State game uh, a few days prior, and I was really pulling for the Gophers. I think at this time of year you kind of look around the league and you're always rooting, at least I am, I'm rooting for the home teams to win, uh, to kind of hold serve, unless there's going to be a big upset. Uh, you kind of pull for those home teams to take care of business until the league kind of sorts itself out. Then you can start rooting for the front runners to, uh, or the guys at the top of the standings to lose games. But I really wanted Minnesota to win because I wanted them to feel pretty good about themselves coming into Mackey. Uh, and the opposite happened. I think they, they, they lost a the game they know they should have won. 
and as a consequence, Keeman and Mackey that much more hungry with a bigger chip on their shoulder. And uh, and like you know, we told our guys, uh, we're we have the number next to our name, and that, and that's the that, those are the kind of things that teams like Minnesota and like Ohio State tomorrow they want to build their tournament resumes on sure. us. And we've talked about that on this show that we always talk about us getting the tournament resume wins. Well, we got to realize there's two sides to every coin, and the teams out there that we're playing are looking at us thinking this is a great opportunity to add a ranked team or a tournament resume. And right now, as you look at the Big Ten, there's a lot of teams that are still on the hunt for tournament bids. You know, early on, there obviously will be. But you look at some of the stuff Joe Lenardi's doing in bracketology, and he's talking about, you know, 9, 10 Big Ten teams with a legitimate shot of making the tournament. Yeah, we don't have a lot of uh, top 10 teams, <clears throat> pardon me, but we do have a lot of uh, <clears throat> top 40 teams, top 50 teams. So that's, and I think that's the way it'll bear out all season long. The other the other point about Minnesota, I think, is um, it was ideal for them to have a New Year's Day game and then be on the road for New Year's Eve. Because, not that our guys were out having a party, because they weren't, but they're at home. Right. And you're having you have a little bit more sense of security when you're when you're at home. But a road team, you know, if you're in Chicago or LA or something, I'd be concerned, you know, if I was right. a coach. But <laughs> hey, I gotta put these guys to bed in Lafayette in <laughs> New Year's Eve. And uh, I'd say I'd say they were in pretty good shape to be all together and, and ready to play. And if you got good kids and Apparently they do. They were able. To, they were able to fashion that upset. So I just tip my hat to the Gophers and just glad we don't have to return the trip to Minnesota. Now, part of me says I'd like to go back up there and beat them, but right. on the other hand, uh, we don't have to worry about it. So maybe see them in the tournament. Well, there. Back to what you just referenced. There are some people in Lafayette listening to this, thinking, "Wait a minute! I have a heck of a time on New Year's Eve in Lafayette. I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, uh, but it's all planned I, I, out. I, I mean, know. it's I, not like <laughs> it, it's not like all those they lights drop, are out there are just pulling you to they it. They weren't dropping the ball at the courthouse. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I want to move on here, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit with Mookie Maves. Um, Mook, like I said, a uh, very popular guy in the program. But a uh, little bit about you. You're from Speedway, and uh, Purdue guy. And uh, how many years have you been with us now? Uh, this is. I came here in 2011, came here back full-time from northern Colorado, but I was here four, four years from 04 to 08 as a student football manager, so about 10 or 11 years total. And you work a little bit with football in the fall and then mm-hmm. jump over and handle our stuff once right. the season starts, right? And then in the spring, I also have softball, so it's a busy year-round schedule. A lot of people always ask, you know, what do you do in the off-season because they just think I'm the basketball guy, but it goes year-round. Yeah, I think that's a big common uh, misconception with athletic department uh, personnel that the, the summers are just kind of vacation time. It, it, we do squeeze time in, but but there's really no stopping uh, in any facet of a major college program. And most of the off season, I know just from working with you, we're stocking up for the upcoming season. Right. And, uh, some of it's, you know, clean up from the previous year as far as your inventory. And then really the months of July and August, you got all the next year's inventory coming in so that's a, a good time to get prepared for the upcoming season well one of the things i want i wanted to share with people um a couple years ago when isaac haas joined the program uh, i remember you and, and and mookie's got to get these guys as sizes and figure out what numbers they want 
and their shoe sizes, uniform sizes, all that stuff, get everything ordered prior from when they arrived at campus in June when they start summer school of their freshman year. And this was in May, probably mid-May or beginning of June, somewhere in there. And we were about 10 days away from Isaac joining the team. And you text me and said, you got a minute? And, I, and he said, I'm coming up to show you something. And I didn't know what you were doing. You brought this shoe box up with these size 22 sh shoes in it. And we both sat there and looked at it. I was taking pictures. I couldn't believe my eyes. And, and it turns out the, the, the biggest shoes that Nike makes are, are the size that Isaac wears, 22s. Right. Yeah, we got, we got lucky with that. If he was a 23 or you've heard some guys up to 25, that's, I think that's the record. But anything over a 22, you have to get customized by Nike. They have to cut it and fix up a mold. So we got really lucky he was a 22. So what would happen if, for example, and, and don't think this hasn't ever happened because it has, you go on the road and that cat comes up to you and says, hey, Mook, I forgot my shoes. What do we do now? In a case like that, I don't know what you would do. I guess he'd be playing in bare feet. Well, we actually prepare for the worst case scenario, believe it or not. So we have the managers pack an extra pair for Isaac. He brings two himself, <laughs> Good. but we bring a third. So we, I'd like to think we're prepared for anything, but... I'd knock on wood with that one. That's good. And we have g had guys in the past who forget uh, have forgotten their shoes, and we'll, we'll make a call to the hardware store, or the local uh, uh, hardware store, uh, sporting goods store, and uh, run out and pick up a pair. But uh, yeah, that's a very uh, important safety precaution to have in case Isaac forgets his. Well, it's you know that's that's really a cool answer because I wouldn't know what you would do, and you just gave us a great answer on that one. I would. I'd also like to know. I mean, you have to. Um, a couple of things I want to know that I that I'm not aware of despite my 40 years here who decides what color of uniform we're going to wear I was wear? just going to say that that's a great question who decides what color of uniform we're going to wear at home normally 99% of the time we wear black on the road I think one tournament game we wore either gray or, or, or gold but having said that I want to know that one and then I know the other thing I want you have to wash this stuff Every single day. Now, I asked you this the other day. Now, again, I didn't know, but I think our audience would love to know. Uh, every day, practice gear, stone in a box, and this is the dude that has to, you know, launder this stuff every single day, including uniforms. Tell us, for, answer both questions. Well, <clears throat> obviously, the laundry is not the glorious part of the job. So, you know, people see me behind the bench and see the, all the Nike apparel and think it's all, you know, the fun stuff, but. Yeah, the, the laundry every day, that gets a little old. Um, <laughs> I bet. You know, I have to host a podcast with this guy, and that's kind of the, I, I know your pain. I'm a big it's radio show It's not the part of the job. <laughs> uh, yeah, I understand what you go through. <laughs> but uh, as far as the, the uniform color question, uh, surprisingly, I think that's the most informal procedure ever. I think people would probably guess that there's some logic or theory behind that. Um, but really, it's the day before. I'll go up to a captain or somebody that played well the game before that and ask them what they want to wear this next game. But that's like the last biggie one to wear gold twice in a row, so we'd, we wore gold. When you get so, 20 rebounds, you yeah. get to wear whatever you want. Yeah. Biggie yeah. wanted to wear pink, we would have said <laughs> yeah, sure. we'd find a way to get it done. <laughs> that's cool. So um, what was the uh, – remind me oh, of the other – Just the, the other daily part. grind of getting, that, getting everything turned around. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, they have – we have to order in, or I have to order in November of the previous year for the entire upcoming season, which is tough sometimes. But part of that 
is uh, ordering four sets of practice gear. So the logic behind that is so they have two sets on the road. Typically we'll have a practice the night before and then a shoot around the day of. So that handles that and saves a little laundry. But And then you have two back at home in case you got a quick practice the next day. But yeah, four sets of practice gear makes it a little easier. Um, but you still do at least one full load every day. Well, and now Mookie, I know one of your favorite parts of the job is when you get that call, email, or text from me that says, hey, we're adding a player mid-season, like we just did with Matt Harms. And uh, now all of a sudden, I talk about what goes into that because it's, the guy just doesn't show up and walk out on the floor. I mean, talk right. about what all is involved getting him up to speed and ready to practice. Well, yeah, he's he's probably been the most unique case I've had to deal with. Uh, typically, you know, I'll just follow recruiting, and you got even if you got a late signee, it's in say May, and you got plenty of time to get it done. But he was a really quick turnaround. And he's not your average six foot, hundred and eighty pound kid, so. If you're 7'2", you got to do a little more planning for it. And luckily, it's just worked out to where he's skinny enough to where he could be an XL with the extra length, and he fits into that, or a double XL with the extra length. So we really got lucky with having bigger guys before him. Talk about, too, the, the shoes that these guys go through. I know, you know, the shoe phenomenon is, is not slowing down, only getting bigger. Um, we are a, a Nike school, proud Nike school. I've been that way for a very long time. Uh, Coach Katie's entire tenure was with Nike, uh, and I don't, I don't think anybody at Purdue wants it any other way. Uh, but talk about our players and just how they deal or how they work with you in getting the shoes that they want to wear, you know, game in, game out. Well, in, in general, Nike offers us at the start of the year, there's typically five different court shoes. One of those will be a low option, and then you got four of the mid or the higher options. Um, and then with our particular colors, there's four that we can choose from out of that. So there's really 20 basketball shoes that our guys wow. get to choose from. And we start out with giving them two pairs at the start of the year. They kind of figure out what what style or what color they want. And probably I would say maybe every six weeks or so would be the standard for uh, when we have to get a new run for each guy. but. On top of that, a lot of guys just do their own thing and get their own ID shoes, which which they actually pay for, which never makes sense to me, but they want to look different or swaggy or whatever. thing I never could understand, <clears throat> sorry, I got this, this Ohio frog in my throat. The, um, the thing I never could understand, though, now, we went from a period of time, Mook, that everything had to be uniform. Yeah. I know, and I know under Coach Katie, I mean, if, you know, if one of your – practice jerseys flapped out in the wrong direction he'd go <laughs> ballistic but also shoes it seemed like everybody would wear the same shoe now I, I was just thinking about this the other day because I was watching both us and Minnesota warm up and I was just looking at shoes and I mentioned to Rob Blackman I said my goodness I mean there's like seems like a thousand different shoes out there and in, in, in a whole bunch of different colors I mean you know they match our colors maybe if you throw in the gray because as we watch practice right now you got gold you got black you got high tops you got low tops I mean it just really surprises me and do the coaches demand that players wear certain types of shoes no not really I think uh, we probably our coaches are really good about focusing on the basketball aspect of it and they never really give me a hard time about anything the guys wear 
Uh, but that being said, I think most equipment managers in the country would agree with you and wish we kept it all traditional and had the same color shoe and everybody wore the same undershirt. But nowadays that's just not realistic and guys don't do that across the board in any sport really. They want to kind of stick out a little bit and do their own thing. And I guess, you know, it, you can't get mad about it. It's not who are you to get mad if you're the equipment manager. So. And don't, don't you think too, Mook, a lot of it has to do with how comfortable a shoe is. I mean, I know that there's been guys that have to go back to you and order a different shoe because it just doesn't feel right on their foot. Yeah, definitely, and that's another thing. You, it, I mean, you, you might think it's silly to look a certain way out there, but if a guy's comfortable, that actually means something. So, right. yeah, in terms of a shoe, you want a guy wearing, a, you know, whatever he wants to wear. So, Well, that's certainly, I think, the biggest thing is what's going to make them comfortable and what's going to make them play the play the best. Yeah. I think that that more than anything is uh, is what I know the coaches are worried about and that's one of the reasons you see like Cliz said you would see so many different colors of uh, of shoes out there. Um, you we talked about uh, the the various seasons and stuff. Talk about we, uh, Cliz referenced the time that we wore a different color on the road when we went down to the Cancun tournament. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just a product of convenience, isn't it? Yeah, that was, that was uh, interesting. So obviously we get the tournament manual ahead of time, and it lays out what colors you'll wear if you win or lose, and it's normally bank, based off of your your seed in certain tournaments or just, you know, how the bracket, where you fall in the bracket. But um, for the for Cancun this, this season, um, went with the bold move, <laughs> and we were supposed to be the darker color both games no matter who won or what happened and i i wanted to spend some extra time in cancun and not do a load of laundry with my experience in spain so <laughs> and it well and the mookie's defense they were it specifically said in the manual no laundry facilities on site will be right. provided you need to get a cab and you need to go <laughs> 45 minutes away to a laundromat oh, in, yeah. can, in cancun it was a huge hassle so yeah. it wasn't just i wasn't being lazy believe me but uh so i went with the bold move and brought the gray uniforms probably should have gone gold um really probably should have just gone black both games somehow (laughs) but uh utah state i knew i reached out to their equipment manager before and knew they were just wearing white for our game so i thought it'd be okay with the grays um and we came out to warm up in gray utah state's whites had like a horizontal gray stripe on the shorts and it was really close to gray I think anybody around me saw me freak out for the first time. <laughs> and I, I ran back to the room and got the blacks just in case, and the blacks were all set up in the locker room. I was just waiting for the official to give me the call and say I needed to switch. But luckily everything worked out. And yeah, that was uh, – you were sweating bullets before the game. We, yeah. I looked back and I thought, boy, I thought the gym was air-conditioned. Mook is back there. He is – he was a nervous Nelly before yeah. that game. So. Cancun was great. All – Besides that, as soon as that game tipped, Moogie had the biggest smile on his face. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. And uh, now I have to ask you. I have a lot of names for you because <laughs> of an error that I made on the air last year, which I continue to apologize. But you know that you've forgiven me because I called you the wrong name on a coach's show. And background here, Mookie attends all the coaches' radio shows on Monday night. Yeah. And is a loyal loyal fan of those shows and often gets a shout-out from the Cliz on air. And this particular episode was being taped in Lincoln, Nebraska, because we played Nebraska on a Tuesday night. Yes, we're all in this, uh, we're in this uh, room 
you know, what do you call it? Banquet that? room. Banquet in, in room. A hotel. Yeah, I can't even figure that out. No wonder I got his name wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> so I'm sitting there and on the air, I uh, mention his name and then all four and, and, and rave about it, you know. Here's one of my best friends. And I gave him <laughs> the wrong name. And the three of them or four of them, I think Chris was in there forming our SID and Mook was there. Coach Painter, Westcott, my engineer, my son, they all looked at me like I had just like taken a dart gun and hit somebody at point blank rage right between the eyes. I said, what's the deal here? I mean, what's everybody looking at me? what I do? You idiot. So he called, him, called him Charles. Called him Charles Mookie May. And, and, and it's any, Michael. And now on this, uh, with this road, with this crew that we travel with on the road. Oh, when you never leave a day. Yeah, when something like that goes on. So he's been... Mookie's been called Charles a couple thousand times so, since that Nebraska. Trip. And I call him Chucky now as, a, as, a, as <laughs> out of love. But having said that, you know, when, you, when you're the old veteran sports announcer, you have a lot of these <laughs> problems. But I, I, but I do want, you know, before we move on to some other things other than Mookie, I want to I know where the Mookie came from because that's, that, that's a, uh, a name that I would equate to just couple of people that I've ever heard and uh, perhaps you can enlighten us here and let the fans know. Well yeah I grew up a huge sports fan my dad was always a big sports fan we, he's from the south side of Chicago and we were always Sox fans but his National League team was the Mets and I was born in 1985 so the Mets were pretty good around that time and they had a player Mookie Wilson who's I would probably most popular Say he's most popular for hitting the ball through Buckner's legs in the '86 right, yeah. World Series. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where they named me Michael. So I don't think my mom was on board with Mookie. So <laughs> <laughs> they named me Michael so they could call me Mookie. So it's a name I've had my entire life. <laughs> and what mom is? I mean, let's face it. Okay, well, Mook, before we let uh, before we move on uh, and talk about some New Year's things, we're going to hit you with the final four here. Uh, four questions that we. Uh, ask of every guest here on the podcast first question uh, what is the last really good book you've read oh um, <laughs> that's a little embarrassing because I, <laughs> I forget the title of it but I actually did read a book this year um, I'm big into military history um, and it was really just a it was a book about all the uh, probably 10 or 12 different battles in World War II my grandfather's a World War II veteran so I like to learn a, bit, a little bit about that history, and it just it basically laid out 12 battles in that. But. Very cool. Okay, uh, music. Uh, if you had, if you were listening to something, uh, what's your go-to music, so to speak, to listen to? Uh, definitely country. If I have it on in the car, my go-to at, on my computer at work would be country, but I, I listen to a little bit of everything. Any particular artist? Yeah, I'm, I just wanted to interject here. I mean, you're, you're like one of those country the truck stuff and the, the truck stuff and my love and all those uh, syrupy country songs or yeah what what country yeah, old which school country, country old school or, school or, or I wish I could say I was more old school um, just because I, I think that fits my personality a little more and I wish I've been a lifelong country fan but I haven't so I've only been on board for about five years now nah. so I can't be one of those guys that tries to claim 
you know, Waylon Jennings. I was going to say you strike me as a Waylon guy. <laughs> yeah, Maybe a and, Merle. And I'm trying to learn all their songs just so I can act like I am someday. But <laughs> I guess embarrassingly, I, I, it is more of that pop country stuff. But I, I, Eric Church probably is a more recent artist that kind of falls more with the old school cool. guys. So okay. I'd say Eric Church. What one occupation other than the one you currently hold would you like to do? And I, and I have to say, I have to preface this, uh, one of our listeners, Monica, told me that she said, I need to specify that it can be anything, not necessarily something you're unqualified for. This could be, this is a pie in the sky, I could just snap a finger and bang, I'm doing it. Well, I think um, realistically I, I would have been a teacher and maybe a high school coach. Uh, history teacher and coach but to make the answer more interesting I would love to be a chef I wish I knew what I was doing in the kitchen uh, mainly so I could keep up with the talk with Cliz on the road but I wish I knew how to cook a little better and actually you know had some more experience in that so I'd probably go with the chef that is a fantastic answer now coach Painter and coach Owens went with the with your previous answer the teacher answer and uh, nothing wrong with, with that answer, but the chef is a little more exotic. and <laughs> Fits me. Yeah, that's a very good answer. Okay, final question. Uh, what is one thing that most people do not know about you? Well, this could get interesting because I think Cliz will love this fact, but um, if you say a word, I actually know how to say it backwards. I can spell it backwards in my head. And wow. then shoot it off right away, immediately. Wait so. a minute. How do we not know this? I mean, we've <laughs> um, been around you uh, for, you know, how many seasons now? We've we've talked quite a bit. Bus rides, plane trips. Oh, this I, is I, a... I, this. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a newfound love and respect for my man, Mook. <laughs> I mean, this is... This is beyond. How do we not know this? I don't know, but come up with one and let's see how he does. You come up with a word. The word. Well, that's the thing. I've just been scared the whole time because I knew the day would come where somebody fires one at me and I, I can't do it. So <laughs> the pressure. This is the first time I've actually had pressure in this game. Yes. The yes. word is tomorrow. Waramat. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, this is this. That's you don't now, now, listeners. Cliff isn't going to be able to keep this composed. Oh. Well, you have no idea. This is we're going to be doing this all night. I mean, this is <laughs> this is great because when we leave the shoot around here, and we've got about another hour left in shoot around, so we've got another hour to do it here, and then we've got all of dinner, and so dinner's going to be back at the hotel, and we're going to be doing it all dinner. And then if you don't think we're going to wake up and do it again at breakfast, I mean, you're wow, crazy. This go. is great. This is phenomenal. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. Well, Mook, that I got to tell you, you've set the bar at a new level for the Final Four. So thank you, thank yep. you very much, and thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, feel free to stick around here. We're going to talk a little bit about New Year's. Of course, uh, 2017 came in a few days ago, and uh, Cliz, I wanted to get uh, I wanted to get your take on some New Year's things here. Of course, New Year's is very popular for resolutions. Uh, did a little research this afternoon uh, as we had some time at the hotel. Apparently, New Year's resolution started back in the Roman times under Julius Caesar. And wow. uh, pretty much the same as they are uh, nowadays with people just kind of uh, giving some ideas of what, how they wanted to better their lives uh, in the coming year, in the coming calendar year. Uh, I did a little bit more research. The top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2017 in the United States. Number and most of these, I think everybody would 
are pretty obvious, uh, and some of them are very much related. Number one, diet. Number two, exercise. Number three, combine those two and you lose weight. Number four, spend more time, uh, spend, save more, spend less. Sorry, financially, save more, spend less. Number five, uh, learn a new hobby or skill. Uh, number six, quit smoking. Number seven, read more. I wish, boy, I wish I had more time to read more. Uh, number eight, find another job. Uh, number nine, perhaps a chef. Number nine, drink less alcohol. And number ten, spend more time with family. Oh, I would think uh, number ten would be higher than that because most, a lot of people I talk to say I wish I would have had more time with my with my family. So that kind of surprises me. I would think that'd be a little bit higher. The rest of them are pretty... Pretty standard. Yeah, they're pretty standard in now, my I mind. Now, I did do one thing. I was re- As I was reading these different articles, a ar- an article from the U.K. popped up. Now, this is a year old, but it was a 2016 New Year's resolutions from the United Kingdom. And for the most part, they had the same answers with one exception... And that was, on their list, the only thing, the only two that were different. One was fall in love, and one was help others achieve their dreams, which wow. I thought was the most noble of all. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool, And uh, but we didn't see that on the United States. Well, mine, <laughs> uh, mine this year, for anyone that, that wants to know. That was my next know, question. Yeah, mine, mine is to show more compassion. I think I want to be more of a compassionate person. I'll be 70, by the way. Anybody want Big year to know coming up for you. February. And uh, I think I wrote on the board in the locker room the other day, time is a precious commodity. Uh, uh, cherish it. So, yeah, that's the one thing I want to be, just nicer to people. I want to be nicer to people. Well, I think... I think everybody should could use a little a little dose of that, don't you? After the year we've had yeah, in 2016. Yeah, you know, I, I honestly think, and I'm you know I'm not, I'm not making a political statement here. I'm just making a statement on life. I I just think there's so much behavior that is um, argumentative and um, little little bit on the hateful side, and I don't get it. I mean, I really don't. So. And, and you see that in sports. I have to tell you, um, I, want to, I want to bring up two quick stories. One is, I spent a lot of time, uh, I want to tell Mook, too, that uh, my latest book that I'm reading is on the Pacific Theater of World War II. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I've been, I've been looking at it for a couple of weeks. Uh, putting me on to that was uh, uh, Coach Painter's uh, uh, father-in-law, Wally. Mm-hmm. And uh, on on the Cancun trip, so he handed me a book, and I've been reading it. But anyway, having said that, I just think that. Um, well, now I've lost my train of thought. So help me out. Well, you're talking about the uh, the book you're reading and the New Year's resolutions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and about being compassionate. About being compassionate. Yeah. And now you've lost your train. <laughs> well, man. Well, I know one of the stories you did want to share, and we talked about today, and you t- I heard you talk, telling a couple of people in the lobby of the hotel, we stay uh, in a close vicinity to Ohio Stadium here. Yeah, right. I mean, 
within a stone's throw. Of the football stadium here on campus. And uh, you have a, a little history with, uh, being an Ohio native, but then some history with that stadium as well. Yeah, and, you know, it is, it is to me um, not only a close story to me, but it, it, it's a remarkable story in the fact that my father, um, uh, I was adopted when I was, uh, when he was 44 years old. And to give you some idea, his dad was born in 1875. That that would put you 10 years after the Civil War, and, and that's that, my grandfather, that's who I who incredible. I who I never re, I don't remember, and who passed in 1950. So I was only three years old at the time. But my dad went to uh, a Presbyterian college up by Cleveland called Wooster College, the Scots, a Division three program now. But at that time. They played Ohio State in football in 1925 at that exact same stadium that we look at today. And his Wooster Scots pulled off their greatest athletic achievement in uh, college, their college history by tying the Buckeyes 6-6 six to six in the big stadium in 1925. So that was 91, you know, 91 and a half years ago, which to me is just... You know, that, that, so every time I'm here, I, I yeah, try you, to tell you, that story. Yeah, you bring it up when we're here, and it, you know, I could tell it, you get a little emotional when you oh, do it. Oh, but but to think, and I remember so I remember so well the 50th anniversary of it in 1975, and I had been my broadcast career just started down in Paducah, Kentucky, and I remember him driving over from Columbus with my mom and and sharing the time with us, and he had this. They have a big old plaque, you know, and I, I thought it was cool. And I downloaded a picture of the team I found on their website. They still have it on their football website, wow. and I, uh, I downloaded it about a couple years ago and have a copy of it at home. So it's, it's really it's really remarkable. The thing that makes it remarkable to me is no one, my grandfather was a really good football player at the Western Reserve in Cleveland. I mean, he, play, he was a medical student, so he played like six years. They yeah. didn't have eligibility <laughs> requirements back then. And, um, but, uh, you know, Dad never talked about it. And, and that, uh, such a disappointment to me that I never at any time in my life sat down with him and said, hey, let's talk about that game at Ohio State. I, think, I do think he told me, and I only had like 20 guys. He said, well, he said, I certainly wasn't a star. I was on the field, but I wasn't a star in the game or anything like that. But I, I, I would just like to have known what it was like. Well, that goes back to your, your comment about having more compassion and finding out other people's viewpoints and you know ideas and you mentioned that you were surprised that spending time with family wasn't higher up there that's something everybody needs to do is take time whether it's your parents grandparents aunts uncles uh, ask some questions ask some historical yeah. questions absolutely we did that recently in our family and and i know my wife was blown away at some of the things that my dad was talking about and uh that stuff is, is invaluable, and it's stuff that when you end up talking to your kids or passing it down through the generations, those are the stuff that get that gets passed down. Well, I told my I told my two children that, uh, and you know, I told them five years ago. So five years have passed, and we haven't done it. But I said I'm gonna take, I'm gonna do what we're doing here on this podcast. I'm gonna put a couple of mics on the kitchen table, and I'm gonna sit down and say, okay, ask me some questions. Now, I'll try to give you some answers, but there has to be something that you don't know about your dad, or at least maybe something that you're proud about your dad that you would like to at least share. Or, you know, to talk about my parents or my grandparents or something because they go back so far. And, um, yeah, I, th I think everybody should do that. And I know exactly what you say. And a lot of times, 
people don't want to talk about certain things. But And I told them, I said, hey, you got something specific? Say it. I'll, I'll throw it out at you. And then we put it down on tape, and you'll have it for the rest of your life. And who knows where it'll end up, but at least it'll be a part of your family thing. Well, we live in a day and age where with the Internet and all the media devices we have, you can call up just about anything. And But the thing you can't call up are those, you know, personal memories from the people, you know, around you. Well, and a lot of them, they're no longer here. Right, and your loved ones and things like that. And I know that's why there's been several efforts over the last few years to get so many, whether it's uh, historical sports figures or some of the World War II vets, uh, to get them on camera, on film, to talk to them about, you know, their career stuff and their... Uh, their war stories, their history, all those things. You go back and look at, I know the PBS series of Ken Burns Baseball that it ran a few months ago and I was watching part of it and I'd seen it before. But so many guys that he's had, he has on camera interviewing are now past. And you think, boy, I'm so glad he got those guys yeah. to talk. Yeah. Because if they pass on and don't give us this stuff, it's lost. A lot of times it's lost forever. Well, I have another quick story because I... Uh uh, I have a niece, my my sister, my adopted sister's fifth child, lives with her and is a huge fan. And I grew up an Ohio State fan. I'm from Warren, Ohio, Northeastern Ohio. And my dad went to Ohio State, went to optometry school here later, so he was a big Buckeye fan. He wasn't rooting for the Wooster Scots when I was growing up. So, yeah. <laughs> But... Uh, but uh, uh, her name is Heather, and and I find, and I never knew this till the last couple of years. And I brought my sister over, and Matt was really nice to her. And so my sister became a for the first time, and her life became a big Purdue fan. And then passed this down to her niece, and I mean Heather. I mean she goes bananas on us every, which is great about having the Big Ten Network and things like yeah. that. But she's now a huge huge uh, Purdue fan and every game I mean text me during the games you know and, <laughs> hey what are we doing there what <laughs> you yeah. know so I still have to tell her I still have to get it across to her that maybe wait till after the game but <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's you know that's cool stuff absolutely is and I I can relate a little bit my um, wife's family's from Pennsylvania and her father and I are pretty close and Diehard sports fan. Good guy. And good guy. Yeah, he has become such a big Purdue fan over the years since getting to know us and everything. And uh, I can completely relate. The only difference is he, he has the one cable company in the Big Ten footprint that still does not get the Big Ten <laughs> network. <It's laughs> so he has to pull out the iPad, a laptop, or find different workarounds for that. So, uh, But he still, uh, still tries to get us when we can. So. A um, couple questions real quick that I want to get to. People have uh, tweeted at us and stuff. Uh, question from Lena Ball. She wants to know if there's any funny, weird pregame superstitions or rituals from the coaches or players. Um, not really any that I really know of. You know uh, any, Mookie? I, know. Uh, I definitely wouldn't call it a ritual or tradition, but I, something that I found funny was in Bloomington, uh, last time we won there, Coach Painter, there was a little downtime in the the coach's area of the locker room before he had to go speak to the team. I thought it was interesting. I thought he'd be nervous, and he's in there listening to, you know, old 90s rap. I think, or 80s or 90s, he's listening to Run DMC, getting ready to go out and beat the Hoosiers, and sure enough, we did, so. 
Well, we have to remember what song that was so we can play it again when we had. Well, we've there. had. Uh, Co- I mean, Coach Katie had that common thing, and it, which would be tough on you, Elliot. But uh, you know, if we lose a game on the road, we change where we stay the next year, and so that 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 can be confusing. Yeah. But uh, I, I can't think of any that really stand out of the, that are bizarre. Yeah, most of them. I mean, we get in routines. I don't know. Sometimes routines can be, you know, you don't want to confuse those with rituals. I mean, we always kind of do the same routine on a game day. You go to an arena, have a shoot around, always have our meal four hours before we tip off. Uh, we generally have the same thing for a pregame meal, but that just becomes a routine. And We then, always have Caesar salads. Yeah. <laughs> Cliz likes to blow me, uh, give me a hard time about the Caesar salads I put on the menu. But I put on I put things on the menu that the guys eat, and the guys like their Caesars, um, especially you. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, if if I if the menus were catered to me, I'd be the only one eating them. Nobody would. That's that's probably also true. Yeah. Uh, Julie Toby wants to know when uh, Jaquiel Taylor will be back, and uh, what roles each of the coaches play. Uh, Jaquiel is still out uh, with rehabbing his foot. Uh, no timetable on when he'll return. But it doesn't look positive. Yeah, he still has a ways to go. I think you're looking at, uh, I don't know, maybe into February. But I don't I don't know. I don't want to put a time on anything because uh, that stuff can change from week to week. But in terms of the roles the coaches have, obviously on our staff, every coach recruits. Uh, every coach um, splits the scouting duties every game. So, and then on our staff, uh, Coach Gary and Brantley work with our big guys, our, our forwards and, and centers, and Coach Owens handles the guards in practice when we do some breakdown stuff. And then in terms of the scouting reports, Coach Owens works on defense a lot, Coach Gary works on offense, and Coach Brandon works on, uh, Coach Brantley works on the personnel of the other team, scouting the tens and, our trendens- tendencies and trends. Uh, of, of our opponents as we go to in each game. So there are duties that are split up, but also recruiting, it's, it's a 24-7 thing, and all three of them are involved uh, in that, and it's, there's no rhyme or reason to that. Usually they just recruit the guys that they may have an in with or uh, uh, maybe geographically are more familiar with that area where that player is from. So thanks for those questions. Appreciate that. All right, Episode 9 of the Boilerball Podcast. We appreciate everyone listening as and this, normal. And pardon me, but this is a big week for us. Ohio State here. Um, this is uh, it's been a difficult place for Purdue to win in this particular building. And uh, I would suggest that this year's the year to get it done. I mean, if the if the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets can be the number one team in hockey. And they won 16 games in a row. The Boilermakers can come over here and win as well. Yeah, and it, it's really weird because I don't know why we haven't had more success over here. Because We've had a lot of close games here. A lot of close games. And no question, Ohio State has, uh, let's face it, they have a lot to do with that. They've been really good over the last decade, you know, plus, um, especially in this building. But you look at a team like Wisconsin, who you can make an argument has been every bit as successful right. as Ohio State over that decade. Yet we've won up there what four times or something? Yes, most of More anybody, than anybody in the Big yeah, Ten. Right. So sometimes you just kind of scratch your head on why certain teams have success against others. I mean, I, I look back to the two, the game on Tuesday night, Wisconsin, Indiana, and I didn't realize Wisconsin's won 17 out of the last or 17 and four, I think, in their last 21 games against Indiana. Wow. And no, that, that and surprises me. And you go around the Big Ten, and there's you'll find those kind of statistics with a lot of different teams. And some of it, there's no rhyme or reason. So. And we have Wisconsin on Sunday. so 
And yeah, and obviously a big game. That game big, will be at, big game. at 4.30 on CBS. Uh, so a big game on a national stage between two ranked teams. And big in, and big in many ways because it's the only time we play them in the regular season with this imbalanced schedule. We don't go to Wisconsin, so this is really, really an important game for Purdue. Both of these games this week are. So yeah, and Ohio, State, Ohio State doesn't come back to West Lafayette. So um, right. in the in the day of unbalanced scheduling, a lot of teams that you only see once on the schedule, and we're seeing a couple this week, and as Cliz said, a big week for us, uh, hopefully to get back on track uh, as we uh, get into the uh, the dog days of January, just, uh, just around the bend. So, all right, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, Really appreciate all the uh, support uh, with this podcast as we continue to grow it. Hopefully have another special guest on next week for you. Until then, be curious, be informed, and be well.